Hi everyone, welcome back to the Minute Women podcast. My name is Grace. And I'm Linnea. I'm realizing that we never really set an introduction, but that is how we open every single episode. It's you true. know what I mean? It's a cold, it happened organically. Like, it's a cold open minus that. <laughs> if this podcast actually had cold opens, yeah. it would be a very different podcast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How are you today? I mean, we're in the new studio. We are. We're finally oh my gosh. Here. If you're listening to this podcast, I just want you to know that I'm sitting in a beautiful room. I feel like a famous celebrity who's recording a podcast. Like, <laughs> I just feel, oh, uh, it's so great. It's the, I'm trying not to look at the view because that's the thing our producer Mark said to us. He was like, talk straight into the mic. Right. Don't yeah. look at the view. Don't look at the view. But like the view, oh, it's bomb. Chef's kiss. Brand so new nice. view. Ooh. Because B and V, for the people that don't know, stands for brand new view. Yes, and that's uh, our podcast production company. It's yeah, follow them on yeah. everything. Do it. Yeah, it was interesting because I mean we've gone from the old studio, which when we first went there was like, oh wow, this is really great. They have like <laughs> a legit studio. But now that we're in this new one, I mean our old studio, bless bless its little soul. Yeah. I loved it, but it was. Above a CrossFit studio, yep. next to a fire department, yep. and then within the building itself, there was a jeweler. Yeah. Um, no, well, it was like a pawn shop slash pawn shop. jeweler. Yeah, they um, did grills. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, they did. And then there was also a barber a who barber. did just men's hair. So she had like the clippers all the time. And it was yep. like, and then yeah. there was several. They're not like media. I guess they'd be like art studios down yeah. from us. Oh, there and was they always like, had kids. There was a guy who made surfboards. Oh yeah, he surfboards. Was cool. He was cool. Also, the most dangerous stairs ever. Ugh. Those stairs could not have been up to code. I'm so shocked that that's not how I died. Yeah, was it's going so up true. stairs that were like three inches <laughs> taller for each step than they should have been. And it, there was like 30 of them and it was like climbing Everest uh, or and what I imagine climbing Everest to be like. <laughs> and we, the minute women are not the biggest. We are quite minute women. <laughs> we're not the tallest people. So I feel like those stairs were like extra twetuous. They were twetuous. Twetuous. unsafe. But now we're here in our safe new studio oh my gosh. with an elevator. Oh, and the room that we're sitting in right now is almost as big as our old studio. And this is just like a room. A room This in is it. just a recording room. We have a mini putt thing. Yeah, Super a mini cool. putt thing. Uh, You've been painting it. You actually helped. I wasn't here, so I didn't I help. I did, but. yeah. I put blood, sweat, and tears into this place. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just so sad sounding. <laughs> it's just like, what happened in this building? Yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of effort, a lot of work. Uh, and I really barely helped like I did like <laughs> two not even full days of uh, well you would video call me a couple times so yeah. I could see so yeah uh but no Mark and Mark and the rest of the the boys his BNV friends his pals Gang. uh they uh worked really hard on putting the studio together and it looks amazing it it's looks so nice. fabulous it's yeah so nice. when I came in I was just like oh before we get into this week's episode, I thought that we should probably talk about the recent John A. McDonald protests that have been happening. Yes. Because that was quite quite visceral, I think. Yeah. Which visceral's a great word. Thank you. It cuts like a knife. Yeah. Visceral, vivacious. Ooh. Lots of V's. Let's try and get as many V's, B and V's in this 
episode. Anyways, um, but so in Montreal, there was a statue of the first prime minister of Canada, John A. Macdonald. We've done a fabulous um, our first minute episode. Woman episode. Yeah. And it was a, it was a good one. We were full of jokes. We were funny. It's what hooked y'all and brought you along for this wild When ride. we were bright eyed and bushy tailed <laughs> and, and nothing in the world could stop us. We did an episode about John A. Macdonald, which I don't know if I did the best job of addressing how controversial of a prime minister he is now. However, however, I think that it is, I think that if we had, that would have been that entire episode of the podcast. That's true. And so we were able to just talk about John A. McDonald and his road to prime minister and and not kind of talk about, we just talked about the Heritage Minute. That's, and in the yeah. Heritage Minute, it doesn't really talk it's, about that. I mean, we did also talk about how his younger brother was, like, murdered in front of him. <laughs> Terrible. You know, Terrible. As it happens. If you want to be prime minister, have your younger brother die. And his big tip love interest and his whispering love interest. And his whispering love interest. Yeah. I still um, like that episode a lot. It's a good episode, but we... In today's political context, yes. he's not particularly well-liked by a lot of minority groups, especially indigenous peoples, because he established policies that purposefully tried to kill them all in hopes of essentially just easing the process of colonialism. Right. And we we talk a lot about history, but welcome to the future, folks, where (laughs) our past mistakes are really brought to light. And um, yeah, times were different and decisions were made. And that doesn't make them okay now that we have the knowledge. It's like technology advances, knowledge advances. And, you know, I don't look in a phone book when I want to know the number for a pizza place because I can just do it on my phone. (laughs) Right? So... (laughs) I'm not I want all history explained to me <laughs> pizza delivery context. I'm not saying it's that simple. No, no, it's However, metaphors are important. Times and simplifying things. Times have changed. You know, when John A. Macdonald made those decisions, um, he made them from the political and cultural standpoint that he was in in the 1800s. Yeah. And I I do think that it's important to acknowledge that just just because it was his political or his cultural context doesn't mean it was not protested by people at the time, yeah. nor did those people not think what they were doing was wrong, like morally wrong in some way. Like, right. it, I mean, in the quotes that you have of John I. McDonald, he's like, well, they'll be more compliant if we starve them because they're people. Like, he knows they're people, Ooh, yeah, and okay. he knows that they're going to be they're going to react like any other person would in that context so if you refuse to feed their children they will comply because they need their children to live yeah and i think that john a mcdonald and a lot of canadian politicians were of that mindset of like this is a means to the to an end and that end is ultimately the solidification of a white nation of canada and so I think in today's contexts, I think the problem because pe- become people, white people feel like when white indigenous people, like people, us. white people <laughs> like us, when indigenous people or people, minority people speak out about those things, they feel like it's a personal attack on them today. Yeah. Which 
it's not an attack on you. It's an attack on the privilege that you were born with. Yes. That privilege that you should not have started out with. Exactly. And only exists because other people were denied it. Yeah. Like your leg up, which you think is the baseline, really isn't the baseline for the majority of people in this country. And like... In the world. In the world. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and on top of that, I mean, we're in a society where, you know, we're probably in the top maybe 50%. Like we're white. We're educated. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty good baseline. We're, we don't come from, like, super rich backgrounds, but, no. like, you know. Yeah. Globally, that puts you in, like, the top 5% of everyone. Yeah. So it's just this, like, I think it's a whole conversation about perspective and context for the comments that people make. Like, that's my issue with, like, internet discourse so often is that you, when you only have so many characters... Or when a person doesn't have to have had a full conversation with you to participate in your conversation. Yes. They can just take anything out of context. And they can just decide to react yeah. very high emotionally to yeah. one thing that you said. And it doesn't, it doesn't just relate to race issues or cultural issues. I mean, I actually left a Facebook group today uh, <laughs> about uh, the Nova Scotia, Nova Scotians for like in support of teachers uh, group, oh, okay. which I was a part of. My, my parents are in the school system. I have so much family, like so many different family members that are teachers and friends that are teachers. And so like I'm a part of this group. It was really big when the teachers were going on strike a couple of years ago. Right. But uh, recently, it's kind of had an upheaval of supporters or people in the communities uh, about kids going back to school with the COVID-19 pandemic. And oh my gosh, there are a bunch of... There are a bunch of 45-year-old trolls living in (laughs) Nova Scotia. Internet trolls who are just so awful to each other and I had to leave the group because I was like I can't if I see if I see you know you make one more post that is just that you're just you're just you're just vitriol yeah another v word another v word you're just (laughs) jabbing someone in the ribs for no reason other than to be devil's advocate or to just be an annoyance and I just I didn't feel like it was a positive internet space for me to be anymore so let's get into the episode yeah anyways this is still a podcast about heritage this is not in fact an advice podcast or a social justice warrior podcast um even though it could feel like that sometimes this is actually welcome back to the minute women podcast hello a podcast (laughs) on heritage minutes so grace my beautiful friend, historian, stop, stop, stop. holder of my heart, Grace. Holder of your heart. <laughs> it's gross. It's still pumping. It's really bloody. Hearts are gross. Um, hearts are gross. Uh, Humans what? are gross. Yeah. Um, today we are going to do the Marion Orr Heritage Minute, which Marion Orr, which a lot of people confuse with Amelia Earhart. Mar- but there, oh, there is not oh, a Heritage I Minute about Amelia. This one. It's a great I one. I used to love this one when I was little. She rolls in in the night. And yeah. And she's like, I'm like, oh, woman. And she's like, oh, I am a woman. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed, this is Would me. you like to check? 
Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this is definitely she's like our Amelia Earhart. Yeah, and by our I mean Canada's Amelia Earhart. Yeah, she represents a movement. Like she's not yeah. Canada's first pilot necessarily. Female pilot? She's, she's not. She. I don't think she's not the okay. first, okay. but like she was a prolific one. Yes. Which at the end of the day, I think. And she didn't get lost over the Atlantic. Uh, no, she yeah. she did not die in some kind of plane aviation yeah. situation. Um, but uh, so I remember when, like, really early on in this podcast, <laughs> talking to somebody on Tinder because you know, as you do, you know, and you know, hashtag twenty twenty, hashtag twenty twenty, <laughs> and and when you are have a podcast and you are on Tinder, people ask you about it because you say, oh, I have a podcast. It's her flex. Mm. It's her flex, ladies and gents. If that's my flex, <laughs> you know, oh, there's no hope for me. <laughs> but um, anyways, he there was one guy, he's like, oh, yeah, my favorite was the Amelia Earhart Heritage Minute. And I was like, there isn't, what? You you were like, Amelia Earhart's American. Unmatch. <laughs> Unmatch. <laughs> we never spoke again. Um but yeah, no, there's no Amelia Earhart Heritage Minute. But Marion Orr, as Linnea said, she's uh-huh. a pilot. She flies into the night. She's delivering. She's ferrying yeah. a um, Spitfire. It's so funny because when Second you War. when you said when you were like, some people get it confused with Amelia Earhart. I'm like, nobody fucking gets it confused. But you know who does stupid boys on stupid Tinder? <laughs> That's who. Whoopsie daisy. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, she's a really interesting woman, a very prolific pilot. So we're going to kind of go into her life, how she became a pilot, what was what was her participation in the Second World War, because okay. she's not a pilot in the Second World War necessarily, but she works for the ATA, uh, which okay. was essentially a air traffic ferry system. So you, if they need a Spitfire on the front lines, you fly the Spitfire there, oh. and then you fly something else back. Oh, okay, cool. So cool. like that's was. Yeah. What they show in the Heritage Minute is her doing that. Yeah. Um, and then, really, that's, that's only... hard. I feel like that's hard because planes are all different. And you'd have to know how to fly, like, a bunch of different types of planes if you're doing that. Yeah. It's actually really interesting I, how they teach them how to fly well, all these different kinds and of like, planes. And, like, I know from our... Oh, Andy. Our Andy, um, oh, Andy Minarski. Oh, what If you want another pilot angel. one. Andy Minarski episode. I just really know great. from that one, like, he learned how to fly... Well how to be a crew of that specific plane and yes. like no other plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a really good point because so, like he was highly specialized. Whereas a lot of the men and women who mm-hmm. would work for the ATA, they needed to be extremely diverse yeah. in what they did. So, yeah. um, but in, in some ways that's really just the tip of the iceberg in terms of her oh. piloting career because okay. she clocks like 21,000 flying hours, 18,000 of which were like instructing hours. So that's oh. really what she's known for okay. in the aviation sphere is that she was a pilot instructor oh, for cool. the vast majority of her life. I also so. loved that jumpsuit she was wearing in that Heritage Minute. I remember being a kid yeah. and being like... I, I, could, I could just live in military uniform, I think. Yeah. They're very spiffy. They're you very know? spiffy. I don't need the camo. I want like no. World War Two. Yeah, the jumpsuit. Tailored. The jumpsuit. Yeah. I, I like one item of clothing. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think too hard I about what I'm going to wear. I just want to slide it on. So I like dresses. You slide them over the head. Rompers, you slide over the bum. Overalls. Over, oh. You fell in love with overalls this summer. I am. I have. She's an overall girl. <laughs> I have a strong, strong, deep relationship with my overalls. <laughs> We won't get into it. It's gross. But. <laughs> That's for another that was day. Like, 
<laughs> that who? <laughs> just like too real. <laughs> too real. It's not a bit anymore. <laughs> You're talking about my overall. <laughs> Yeah. Um, All right. Anyways. So let's let's hear about. So it's Marion. Marion. Marion so, or not to be confused with Bobby or and not to no. be confused with Amelia Earhart. Not she to be confused Marianne with these Orr. two people. Okay. And she's born Marion Powell. So oh, she got married. Oh, we're gonna oh. get into it. Oh. It's it's a roller coaster. Oh, I'm um, so excited. <laughs> so Marion Powell was born on June twenty fifth. <gasps> Birthday. I know. I was gonna say it's like Almost you guys are very twins. close. Cancer, cancer gang. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, so Linnea, <laughs> when I was away in Halifax, she had my keys to my apartment yeah. just so she could like check up on it and stuff. And so uh, the keychain that she returned to me uh, was a cancer keychain, which she was like, "I'm such a cancer," and then he did such a cancer thing, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder, I wonder what it's gonna be." But no, it was quite literally a cancer thing, and I was like, "Oh, well, I'll give it back to you because uh, for those interested, I am an Aries." Um, and I was like, oh, "I'll get it back to you," and she was like, "You don't have to <laughs> keep it as a as a memory of me." It's like I'm gonna see you tomorrow. What do you it's mean as a memory? Now. Forever, forever, um, forever, and it's it's not small it's an obnoxious it's, it's like large. a it's like a 1970s motel key yes, like it's exactly. like a big honk of plastic pla- diamond yeah. shape when it clacks against my yeah. thumb, it's like <laughs> clack 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 <laughs> I love that you've used them to open your doors. I really thought, yeah. as the Aries, you I are, only took it off immediately. Take as it I off was coming here. Only oh, really? Just as I came here, that's so funny. Uh, did I take it off? But yeah, I love that. Anyways, anyways, um, enough about us. Let's talk about Marion. God, we could do a whole other podcast just about us. If, so, if listeners want that, we will. <laughs> but uh, if you're not here for the heritage minutes, and for some reason you fall in love with our two doofus brains, yeah, let us know. Let us know. So, Marion, we don't know her exact uh, year of birth because she purposefully confused it as she got older because she feared that her flying license would be taken away based on age. Ooh. And so she would change her date of birth quite regularly. <laughs> so we don't know if she was born in 1916, 18, or 1920. 1916, 18, or, or 20. Okay. Those are all but official not birth dates. <laughs> yeah, not 1919 for some reason. But those are all official birth dates that she has... Subscribe, subscribe to herself. I love that. So her mother age is but a number. Yeah, except when it comes to like flying <laughs> a plane. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> so her mother Lillian Powell was Lillian Powell, and her father was John Thomas. Marion was the youngest of five girls, and Marion's father was very disappointed that Marion was a girl. Like Aww. he wanted a boy, he real, was real really bad. Really hoping for a boy. But he died two years after she was born, Fine. so she didn't really have to experience so that disappointment. She, I guess he died. She, <laughs> she was born a disappointment, and her father died, thinking that she was, she was a, disappointment. a disappointment. But yeah. she was like two, so she was yeah. just like, ah, like, I don't care. <laughs> Who are you? Dead daddy. <laughs> so we got dead dad. Uh, Maybe I think that's the new murder. We don't really have murder anymore, uh, yeah. but dead dads, dead dads everywhere. Big, big time. So her mom tried supporting the family alone, so as like a single mother, but this became very difficult during the Great Depress- Depression. Oh my God, did she lay miss herself? Uh, no. Well, she tried to run a small store, <laughs> but it didn't have enough customers, uh, so she closed store it. Store <laughs> or <laughs> store? <laughs> 
For those not looking, obviously, <laughs> Linnea put her hands above the table for store and then below the table for store. Because, <laughs> you know. Um, no, so she did the wholesome thing and she got remarried. Oh, so okay. she she remarried a Sergeant Major Fuller. Ooh. Following their marriage, Lillian opened a boarding house, and the whole family was expected to engage in the business with all of the sisters helping to run the house by cooking and cleaning. Very cool. So Marion was a rebellious young girl, and she always dreamed of flying. So pilots are like the greatest, most glamorous celebrities yeah. of their time. Women like Amelia Earhart proved that flying wasn't just for rich white men. Yeah. It, women kind of have this equal footing when it comes to yeah. flight. Because They're having their moment. They have their moment. And it, I think it's it kind of intersects with suffrage and it also intersects with the technological advantage of the fact that women are smaller. Yeah. And so flying is actually, they're at an advantage in that sense. They don't add as much weight to the plane. Yeah. So women of that era were, like, turning up to airfields in droves. Right. As a little kid, she would sometimes jump off the highest spot she could reach just to feel the thrill of momentary flight. She okay. would climb up on the roof of the family home and just lie on her back and watch for planes all day. But they're not, like, scheduled flights. So it's not like today where you would have, like, scheduled right. commercial flights. You just it's like gotta, watching clouds. Yeah, like, you might not see any today. You can just but go up there, up there and look. <laughs> I will say that was po- post-COVID stuff. I guess not post, but, like, post-hard quarantine. The first time I saw, like, a jet stream again, I was oh. like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen a jet Weird. stream in so long. Well, that's a fun fact. That's why um, weather predictions have been really off lately. Oh, okay. And uh, have been inaccurate, and that's because there are less commercial flights, and commercial flights are the main source, the number one source of uh, of weather in the world. Like information, yeah, like weather information. Data? So there are like all airplanes are set up with oh, okay, like weather systems. And so that tells you, like, the streams and what directions things are going and where things are, especially over water and systems that are coming in. Right. Um, That's where that the majority of that data is collected. That's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, because I was going to say, like, is it because flights aren't flying so they don't feel the need to collect data or is it just because they're not flying so we don't get the yeah data? so there is still obviously there are stationary weather systems right but they're less accurate um and you just have less and you just data have less to work data from. exactly interesting yeah. the more you know the more you know planes <laughs> so the depression had pushed marion to move out of her mother's house so you the more dependence you have, the harder it is to take care of everything. So she moves into an apartment with one of her older sisters at the age of 16. Ooh. And th- together they would work in factories in Toronto. Okay. So despite the low... Oh, she's a Toronto gal. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mention. That's but okay. yeah, she's born in Toronto, I yeah. believe. One of the suburbs of Toronto. 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 Yeah. Despite the low pay and long hours, Marion never let go of her dream to one day fly. There was nothing else she wanted more than to be a pilot. Determined to fly at any price, Marion found her way to Pat Patterson, the owner of Flyers Limited at Toronto's Barker Field. For Marion, balancing work and self-care was hard with piloting. Her salary was $10 a week, and flying hours for a lesson was uh, $6 an hour. So that's over half of her salary going towards an hour of flying. Yeah. Marion gave up lunches, makeup, and many personal expenses just to afford flying lessons. 
Marion stopped calling for cars to go to work, so she would, like, call a cab to get to her job, and instead she would walk the six miles to work every day, and then also the six miles to the airfield. My god! So basically, six days a week, she's walking 12 miles. Girl is getting fit, but Eat. not eating lunch. Not good. No. Eat some lunch, Marion. When her shoes developed holes in them, she would patch them with cardboard, and the lack of food and all the extra exercise caused Marion's weight to drop to 95 pounds. That's not cool. And I've seen pictures of her, and she's, like, not a short person. Yeah. So, like, that's, like, pretty bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Nevertheless, Marion remained very generous. Uh, she would often buy winter clothes and boots when the season came for her nieces and nephews. Aww. So she's, like, a nice lady. She's a nice girl. But Marion was flying, and that meant that life was happy. So when Marion is flying, everything is fine. Like, she can just deal with anything as long as she can fly. Right. At flight school, she met lifelong friend and fellow pilot student Violet Milstead. She was also still living with her sister, and the two were very close and would go out in Toronto regularly. The sisters looked so similar that sometimes that they would trade places on dates if they were getting bored. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) That's funny. They were telling like the story that. like they would come to the door and like her sister would be like, I don't really want to go. Can you go for me? And she'd be like, sure. But they would never like they could never tell that That's there so was funny. like these such places. I like that. They um, must look a lot alike. They must. Also, or like everyone was always drunk. Yeah. That's my only other guess. Is like you're so drunk you can't tell them. Also more. a possibility. <laughs> Through all the fun, Marion never lost sight of her dream. She began flying 40 or 50 horsepower Cubs, which is a kind of propeller plane. Okay. By December 1939, she took her first flying test. Tests in those days consisted of the inspector sitting in his car on the runway as the testee had to do a number of landings where they rolled to a stop within so many yards of the car. So <laughs> you're up in the plane alone and you fly and the instructor parks his car and you've got to like... Does he stay in the car? I think so. That's awesome. And then you've got to like fly down and not hit his car. Yeah. Like you've got to break before hitting the car. Yeah. Then there were a series of mid-flight tests, like spins and barrel rolls, and then proceeding to land in front of the car again. So now you go up, you do a trick, you get dizzy. and then you land. <laughs> <laughs> During Marion's test, the plane engine stalled, which forced her to land without any power. Cool as a cucumber, she was able to perform a perfect dead stick or powerless landing. The testing officer was impressed, as were the other pilots watching at Barker's Field. Marion was awarded her private license and began the process of accumulating enough hours to be allowed to fly with passengers. Flying passengers, even if you didn't end up flying commercially, was a great source of income because you could often take cash under the table to fly people around. So basically someone's like, I want to go on a flight. And you're like, you got a hundred bucks and then you could like take someone up in a plane. Oh my gosh. As Marion worked towards her next big dream, obtaining a commercial license, she came under the tutorship of Deke Orr, a good-looking young flyer at the field. Marion was still working and then was flying on weekends, so she had very little time for social life. But or Deke. Dis- <laughs> or Deke. But despite the hurdles, her and Deke started dating. Aww. The two spent considerable time together flying in their small aircrafts, and soon the couple was married. But the marriage was always rocky. Aww. So... They never formally divorced. Is Deke a dick? Deke is a dick. Deke's not... I mean, his name is Deke. What do you expect? Also, what's Deke short for? Deacon? Oh, yeah. Deacon, probably. Maybe? No, I I was like, Derek, but no. Or just like Deke. Maybe his name's just Deke. 
If your name's just Deke, oof, I'm sorry. Oof. Oof. <laughs> Their mutual love of flying had brought them together, but they proved to have little else in terms of compatibility. Yeah. Violet remembered Deke as a domineering man. She recalled one time that Pat had her and Marion fly to Windsor to ferry a plane back to the airfield. Yeah. It was in December, so the days were fairly short, and by the time the girls landed in Windsor, they weren't sure if they were going to be able to get back to Toronto in daylight. Yeah. But they decided to risk it, and they oh, flew gosh. anyways. <laughs> These are bad decisions, Marion. But they're also, like, daredevils. Like, this is their version of, like, bungee jumping. Like, if planes had just been invented, you're like, I'm going to fly a plane all the time. Like, I feel like you're a little, a little different. (laughs) You are. A little different. By the time they returned to the circuit, it was dark. And uh, basically policy for the airport is that if a plane has not returned, everyone pulls up their car and turns on the headlights to illuminate the runway. Okay. So all of the boys had gotten their cars and pulled it up to the runway so Marion and Violet could land. And yeah. they were able to land. They land safely. But as soon as they landed, Deke ran up to Marion and started yelling at her to, like, get out of the plane. It's like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Um, Violet it was quoted as saying, I don't know, men. That's all I have to say. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So Marion and Deke's marriage was on and off for the majority of Marion's adult life. To make things worse, the onset of World War II meant that recreational flying was grounded to conserve fuel for military planes. Marion began working as a control tower officer. However, she learned alongside Violet that in England they were starting to organize something called the Air Transport Auxiliary, or the ATA. So she really hates pushing papers. Anything that's an auxiliary, I just think that's cool. (laughs) Auxiliary is a great word. What does it mean? auxiliary yeah like it's like adjacent i think it's adjacent yeah it's like support it's like the support yeah got it the ata was used to relieve raf pilots for some of their operational duties so that would be like postal service or it would be ferrying planes it was mostly like ferrying planes from place to place so the ATA was nicknamed the Anything to Anywhere, Ooh, which I think is really cute. That's cute. Violet and Marion learned that they were accepting female pilots. This was going to be their only chance to fly for the next, until the end of the war. Okay. So they leap at the opportunity. So wait, wait, wait. I'm a little confused. Okay. And it might have just been because I was so enthralled with your story. I didn't really listen. Is Violet her sister? No. So Violet's not her sister. Okay. She's the friend that she makes at the airfield. Right, so that's the friend she makes. But the girl who she was switching for dates, that's her sister, that's her not sister. Violet. Okay, yeah. all right, cool. <laughs> I'm good, I got it. So not only were they going to be able to fly, but they were going to be able to fly military planes. Holy crap. So this means going from flying like 60 horsepower Piper Cubs to 600 horsepower Harvard, Spitfires, Hurricanes, and Typhoons. Whatever those are. Whatever those are. Cool. But 60 is less than 600. It and sure is. this is not a math podcast, but I, I know for a fact that these are more powerful planes and this is really exciting for them. <laughs> Yay. So the women headed to Montreal to sign up. Uh, they wind up getting marooned in Montreal for the winter of 1943 <laughs> before shipping out to Europe that spring okay. because Quebec winters are horrible. Because, you know, and Quebec. The, Quebec. The trip across the Atlantic was largely uneventful. There were some distant explosions at night that gave the women a hint of the reality that they had signed up for, but war still felt very far off. Yeah. 
the women landed in Avinmos before taking a night train to headquarters where they would start their training. Cool. Each pilot, regardless of their pre-war experience, would go through the same training school and would get checked out on a particular aircraft. So they get they, they train on just one aircraft. Okay. They had roughly six flights in the training aircraft. So you're only flying six times. But oh I mean, my God. for the most part, they're all pilots. Like you wouldn't get right. accepted if you're not a pilot. So it's more just like getting acclimatized to a plane. Okay. The ATA did not discriminate based on size. So most of the women in the ATA were five foot four or under. So quite often they had to bring their parachute or overnight bag into the cockpit so that they could like sit on it or put it behind their back so that they could reach the pedals. (laughs) The main hurdle was not fearing new planes. So basically you just have to be like ready to fly a plane you've never flown before. Ready to fly whatever. With their basic training completed, Marion and Vi were sent to an all-girl ferry pool at Cosford, England. They were now expected to fly any other plane in the same category as their training aircraft. So I don't know how many categories there are or how many right. subdivisions are within that, but if you trained on plane A, yeah. you now have to be able to fly every A1, A2, A3, A4 that plane because they're all in the category. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> yeah. really hard. <laughs> The secret to their versatility was the confidence they had in their little blue books or Bibles. So these were small books that were given to every ferry pilot. The women would climb into any aircraft they were assigned to, trusting absolutely that the print pads in their laps gave them all the information that they needed to fly. So they just, like, set up with their little book, and they're like, all right, I'm good to go. Oh, my God. (laughs) They already knew the basics, so it was just about learning where specific buttons and valves were located, the top flying speed of the aircraft, its horsepower, etc. In a typical ATA Blue Book story, Violet recalled after delivering a Spitfire, she was required to fly a Bowfighter home. So this chap came up to me, a flight lieutenant or something, and said... Did you just fly in the Spitfire? And I said, yes. And he said, and you're getting into the Bowfighter. Have you ever flown one before? And I said, no. And he said, well, what gives you the idea that you can fly one of those? And I said, well, I carry my little book around with me. And he said, how can you fly an airplane by the book? And I said, oh, it's easy. You know, you just get all your information and know where your knobs and taps on the airplane are before you start it up, and away you go. (laughs) Just like... You know, you know, chill. Really easy. (laughs) Just like that. And I can't imagine, like, I mean, maybe it is like a car. I I mean, I know that there's so many different things you have to be concerned about. But I can get into any car for the most part and know how to fly it. Well, but see, I was thinking about that as you were saying this. And I was like, okay, so say, you know, the the class, like the division. So, like, you're saying A, and then it's like A, one, two, three, whatever. So, like, let's say trucks. Right. So let's start off with my dad's old Ford Ranger. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Like that's, I don't know if you know trucks, but that's a little tiny baby truck. Okay. It's like driving a van. It's no different. (laughs) No different than driving like a minivan. Like it's, I mean, it's basically like driving a car. Like they're so small. And then I'm thinking driving like an 18 wheeler. That's that's fair. And so I'm like, I don't know. Or or I don't know what the spectrum of difference is. Or like like an army military tank truck Truck. yeah and then going from like standard to automatic to like whatever like whereas like how do you put the like fuel in or whatever yeah Uh and that's what that's where my head went (laughs) i was like 
crazy. Can you translate this story to trucks, though? Yeah. What if she was a trucker? <laughs> Marion Orr, Canadian trucker. <laughs> oh, God. For many ATA pilots, and especially for Marion, the most exciting prospect was flying a Spitfire. The first one I ever flew was a real shock because I got in it, opened up the power, and everything went numb. That thing just shot right off the ground and up into the air. So it's just like there's so much horsepower behind them. I don't think it's good to go numb when you're flying a plane. <laughs> uh, I think that's bad. I think I don't, uh, I don't agree. <laughs> I think that's bad. Not good. Of course, while it was an exciting time, the war also had a sobering effect. These women weren't flying just for fun. The absolute radio silence was a constant reminder of this. During patches of unpredictable maritime weather over the Atlantic Ocean, there was nobody to call for help. Mm. One day, Marion was ferrying a Spitfire from Scotland to England, and she was flying along the coast. The weather came down, and it was a priority one aircraft, which meant there was real pressure to make sure that the aircraft arrived on time. So she took off in bad weather that proceeded to get worse and worse. She was just about ready to ditch the aircraft when all of a sudden she saw the lights of the runway and she was able to slip through safely. Oh. So I think that's the Heritage Minute. Yeah. Like, I think that's the story of her, like, that flying be, in yeah. the night and, like, the total fog. While Marion had... Yeah, because the guys are all like, oh, it's so foggy out there. They're we'll like, no more There's an aircraft tonight. out there? Yeah. And yeah. then they're like, yeah. And she slips in. She's Stupid like, cash. boys. Super cash. While Marion had a few close calls, she never talked about being scared. She was full of confidence that whatever happened, she'd be able to work her way out of it. She could manage the plane. So yeah. she's like, planes, I got it. That's what I can control. <laughs> Marion and her colleagues did have their moments of doubt, especially following the loss of one pilot named Jane Winston. Jane was from New Zealand and flew in the same pool as Violet and Marion. Violet recalled, we had a Spitfire assembly plant right out on Cosford, and so this day, I guess, most of the pool of pilots were taking their first delivery of the day out of the factory, and Jane got one that had a problem. Jane took off in hers and had engine trouble, and it would stop and start, you know, it was intermittent, and she tried to turn Casual. back, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And she tried to turn back to the airport and didn't make it and went straight in and she was killed. Ugh. Well, that upset, of course, all of us at the airport. And it was a real shock. That was the only one that we had right in our pool. So mm. there's really only like one person who dies in their immediate ferry pool. Yeah. But I was going to say, but that's the shit I don't want. Um, I don't want the pilot to tell me like, oh, we're having some <laughs> yeah. intermittent engine trouble. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. once you're in the plane, pilots feel like they can tell you anything. Like they're just like, oh, like we're gonna hit some really rough weather. It's gonna be very uncomfortable. You're my prisoner. <laughs> Put your seatbelt on. Oh my, hear my god. Daddy issues? <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> uh, armchair therapist, except like you're, you're crying <laughs> to everyone in the in the airplane. I'm just like, that's so funny. <laughs> I will say that uh, the plane that I was on that was a misery flight yeah. it was terrible uh, actually like a couple weeks after i ran into one of the women who was on it in the grocery oh, really? store and she was like we made it <laughs> and i was like yeah we did also, Lucille. of course you would <laughs> i know right so marion's personal life uh was also kind of taking a turn for the worse deke had enlisted but never was called overseas okay. and like he could not handle the fact that marion was in europe participating in the war effort and he was not well, screw that guy. Yeah. So, like, seeing his estranged wife go to Europe 
and serving this like important role really bothered him. He drowned Marion in letters and cables begging her to come home to Canada. Oh. Mar- Marion, wanting to believe that things had changed, came back to Canada on leave. First and- mistake. And then she returned to England shortly after the Normandy invasion. But Deke's letters just never stopped. And he Uh, promised that he would be faithful to Marion, and she believed him. And so for the first time, she put something ahead of flying, and she quit the ATA (gasps) to go back to Canada to be with Deke. What? But he, like, wasn't faithful, and the marriage fell apart Of course it did. Of course it did. That part, like, really If they have to try that hard to get you to come back from a job that you're passionate about, that's shitty Deke's screw him yeah and then he was just like and then he's like oh now you're back like clearly he just wanted her to not be happy you know what I mean uh, yeah <sighs> guys are weird about that stuff too like sending flowers and sending gifts like I, I worked know. I worked at a flower shop for a short time and oh, I mean no. I could write oh, a book about it the worst. people mailing like girlfriends who have like broken up with them like flowers and then like I have to write down so because they me. send it over the email or they send it over the phone and I have to write down word for word oh, oh no. I had this one guy who was obsessed I would love with- if you were just like I'm so sorry <laughs> in brackets like I had this one guy who was obsessed with this girl and he would send her flowers on this woman he was a man but he was in like France okay. and she was in Lunenburg and it, it, the language barrier and so I'm oh. trying to like write his like because he would just type his stuff in a translator and send it oh, to me oh no my god oh wow yeah. yeah, I've had I've had an ex send flowers, and I it's like so uncomfortable. Hate that. I, it's so it's so uncomfortable because it's just like, it's like, ugh. like it's just like oh you've invaded my space. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I hate that. Anyways, peacetime following the war meant that there was now lots of fuel and a burgeoning economy that led to a renewed interest in private flying. Woo-hoo. So now at least she has flying again back yeah. in Canada. With 800 hours of wartime flying and experience in more than 50 kinds of planes, Marion was in high demand as a flight instructor. Cool. She ended up back at Barker's Field, and Marion began working with the Henderson boys who started a company called Aero Activities. After a few years, Marion was offered the opportunity to purchase the company in 1949. Although it was a barely profitable business, Marion jumped at the opportunity. As a cost-saving measure, she trained herself to be an aircraft mechanic as well, so she could <laughs> fix the planes. she did. The business was largely operated out of a tent on the airfield, so they yeah. didn't even have an airport. They just have a tent. <laughs> and Marion did her best to foster, to foster a loving, fun environment for her, her employees and students. Yeah. So that's the one thing that like, a lot of people remember is that it was just so fun to be there. Can like, I just say something bold? Can I just make a crazy statement? Do it. You know how there's all these street names and all these boats and all of these buildings named after people who are now like, oh, like we were talking about the Johnny McDonald statue, you know, and now we're like, oh, they did some shitty stuff. Find me, honest to God, a woman in history who has had a statue up, had a building named after her. That we're like trying to tear down. Now we're trying to tear down. I mean, not all women are great. No, nope, like that is true. I think I think we value. So I think it's about where the money comes from because I think yeah. people, or not even the money. It's just like sometimes it's money, but it's also like 
politicians want to commemorate other politicians yeah. because they hope other politicians will commemorate yeah. them. Yeah. And so we commemorate so many yeah. prime ministers and yeah. just important politicians yeah. and, and governors and what have you. But I think so often I have controversial opinion about power is that if you want power, like those are the people that go into politics. Yeah. But also I think you're one of the least qualified people to be in power. hundred percent. We should just force all of the like smart and benevolent people in the world to be our leaders, because <laughs> so yeah. few of that. Because I think people in those situations are like, oh, I couldn't possibly yeah. be a politician. Like they feel the burden of that situation. Oh, yeah. So many of her employees were paid with free flying time. So oh, cool. she cultivated a group of very like-minded people. Very cool. So they're only there because they love to fly. When Barker's Field was sold, Marion decided that she was going to move the company and she bought the Maple Air Club and Field. She started developing the field, fixing the runway, putting in drainage tiles, building new buildings, cutting down trees. This was all done with the help of friends. And of course, Marion wasn't scared to get her hands dirty, doing a lot of the digging herself. (laughs) The new club hit an unexpected snag. So the runway was coming up 200 feet short of the required minimum length of 1,800 feet. So their runway is only 1,600 feet. To avoid being closed down, a scheme was hatched. When the ministry came to do the official inspection, a club member hung back and pulled the 100-foot tape backwards step by step until the measurement was correct. (laughs) So so it's also an illegal runway. Okay. But, you know, they, they want to do it so bad, so they're yeah. going to break the law. Regular lawbreakers. <laughs> they're just going to do it. They're rebels. But then, as soon as the runway was a- approved, there was another setback. A petition came from the townspeople nearby, which resulted in a new bylaw being passed to stop the airport from opening. Okay. People were worried that the airport would create too much noise and the airplanes would be a distraction to the calm life in the town. Okay. Let alone if there were an accident that caused damage or worse. Right. With the risk of the airport being closed, Marion had one avenue left open to her. She decided to see Prime Minister Louis Saint Laurent. Without an appointment, she borrowed a car and just drove to Ottawa. She went to his office and stayed there until he would see her. The Prime Minister was impressed with her tenacity and told her that she would have her airport. And through some political magic, the bylaw was reversed, and the opening of the Maple Airport was celebrated with an air show. Um, <laughs> She's just like... <laughs> riddle me this. In. <laughs> okay, that's hilarious. But riddle me this. Why do we not have an airport named after her in Canada? We must. We probably no. We probably don't because she's a woman, Grace. <laughs> this is my point. There, there, there has to be a small one. Like none of our principal ones are named after her. I guess I'm that if that's it. the point. But there's got to be a Marion or Airport. Anyways, moving on. Moving on. So the airport continued to grow over the next few years, and this success led Marion to seek out new challenges. So for all of her success, Marion just never seems to impress herself. Like, as soon as she's reached some level of success in something, she's like, yeah, "Eh, I'm bored. I'm going to go do something else. So with nothing left to achieve at Maple, she sold the club to a few members, and then she went to stay with her sister Marge in Florida. Okay. One day in early 1961, Marion found herself talking to a helicopter pilot. Okay. 
The transition from fixed to rotary winged aircraft was a difficult one, but Marion had found her new dream. She's like, all right, now I want to fly helicopters. Oh my gosh. I want to stay in one spot when I'm flying. I've never done that before. So typically she like hurls all of this energy into this new challenge. Hard work and experience enabled her to earn her helicopter license and instructor's license in a matter of weeks. So she goes from not flying helicopters at all to like, I can teach people how to fly a helicopter. <laughs> how long have you been flying this or? Uh, two days. Two days? Uh, you're doing it wrong, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Teaching the instructor how to fly the helicopter. <laughs> but one day, uh, with a student at the controls, Marion's engine developed a problem. So she's teaching someone how to fly a helicopter, oh, and the engine begins to stall. Oh, no. And there's an altitude from which a helicopter can't recover from engine failure. I oh guess it's just gosh. it can't, like, get the propeller to, to start up with enough. Physics. Something. This is not a physics podcast. This is not a physics podcast. I'm, if you thought it was, like... How I, does a helicopter even fly? I don't know. Who th- Also, who thought of a helicopter? Yeah, they're like, the silliest why? looking things. Why? Like, I get, they're like, let's take the propeller and put it on top. We'll take <laughs> it from here and we'll put it up there. And then it just goes... Cool. But then it can't fix its engine failure if it's at a certain elevation. At a certain elevation. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So the powerless aircraft had plummeted to the earth and it broke Marion's back on impact. And when she got out of the hospital, she was in a back place and enormous pain and Marion began recuperating in Florida. So uh, a quick turn of events. She now has a broken back. (laughs) Oh my God. So over the next kind of like decade, really, she doesn't fly because she's just like, I don't know if it's a mix of like anxiety or if it's like physically she can't fly um she tried a number of different jobs and her sister attempted to like set her up with someone but she never really found anything to fill the void that flying left behind and so marion kind of enters this like dark decade of her life and how old is she like ish at this point so this is the 60s so she's 40s mid 40s she's like middle-aged it's a dark time for lots of people i've (laughs) (laughs) so i've been told (laughs) got a ways to go it was as she was working as a bookkeeper at the Opalaka Airport, 12 years after the accident, that flying reclaimed her interest. Mm. So she's around planes again, and yeah. she's decided that she's going to return to Toronto, determined to renew her license, and teach fixed-wing flying again. Okay. So now she's, just, she's going back to planes. Love it. Good for her. Back in the pilot seat, Marion became the deputy chief instructor at Toronto's Buttonville Airport, and her lessons were in huge demand. Marion was an exceptionally generous teacher. One of her former students, Peter Muleg, recalled, I was saving up all my money from working at the airport washing airplanes and kept putting it into this little special bank account that I wouldn't touch for any reason. And any extra money, any grass cutting revenue I produced as a kid would keep going into that account. And when I finally did turn 16, I looked up at the pricing board at the airport and did the math. Nervously, the young man approached the veteran instructor asking if she'd teach him to fly for the amount of money he had. Just enough to cover the minimum 35 hours of flying, the books, and the ground school. He said, she asked me a few questions before she answered the question and said, are you really dedicated and is this something you really want to do? And obviously the answer was yes. 
are you willing to work hard and put your mind into this? And I said, oh, absolutely, again without hesitation. And while you may not enjoy it, I'm going to work you really hard. <laughs> and it's a little bit tough sometimes getting on minimums, but as long as you're willing to work, I'll do it. There, was a new, there were numerous occasions where we were flying and she would look out at her watch and say, our hour is up. We'd probably best head back towards the airport. She would look at her watch and realize it was still another hour before her next student, and she would pretty much shut off her clock, and we would train for another 15 or 20 minutes and stay in the air that much longer. Oh, She's like, oh. She's such a good lady. Yeah, and she just loves to fly, and so she's just like, as long as you're as committed as I am, yeah, this this will work out, that's and it's cool. going to be a lot of work, but that's cool. That's all that matters. As generous as she was, she was also demanding and a little quirky. Uh, for instance, for her male students, she insisted that they be meticulously clean because you're in a small cockpit. Yeah. And she's probably just like, I've done this too many times. The lady knows what she wants. <laughs> yeah. I get it. It's just like, I've set a certain standard for myself. And, Brush your uh, goddamn teeth, George. You can't smell like shit yeah. if you're going to be up here with me. <laughs> And she also always carried a package of certs, so like mints, <laughs> nice. just in case. Nice. In the early 1980s, Marion's enormous achievements were being recognized. Marion was inducted into the Aviation Hall of Fame. In 1993, Marion was invited to be a member of the Order of Canada for oh. her dedication to the when field of aviation. she was still alive. She's still alive. Oh, I love it when they're still alive and they get to go to the Order of Canada. What is it? Is it like 50-50 maybe? Probably. I don't know. I'd say. Who's to say? Well, because you can obviously give more awards to people posthumously. than Because like, yeah. you could just decide today that you're going to give up five, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it works like that. But how do we get in the Order of Canada? Yeah. If mm. we get into the Order of Canada, the Order of Canada means nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's officially jump the shark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she had logged 21,000 hours of flying time, and nearly 17,000 of them were while instructing. Wow. The vast majority of her time flying is not for her own, like, pleasure. It's to, like, teach other people to fly. Yeah. At her induction ceremony, Marion turned the wrong way after receiving her award, um, which is a pretty innocuous mistake, but to those close to her, it signaled a more serious trend that was happening in Marion's life. So she's getting older. Um, and as Marion aged, she was growing more and more disoriented. So she's starting to, I don't know, she's not like senile, senile's not the correct word, but she's starting to have cognitive issues. A common symptom of age, especially as she approached 80. So she's quite old now. She's lived a life. (laughs) But Marion was vocally determined that she was going to fly until she's 90. So she's not very accepting of the fact that this is happening. Huh, Okay. Flying was her life, and she was increasingly worried that her license was going to be taken away. Right. One day, a concerned friend called the doctor, and this call resulted in her pilot's license not being renewed. She never really came to terms with losing her medical, like, stamp of approval. Yeah. She also never learned how she came to lose her license. So she never really finds out why she lost it or how they found out. But So Marion's kind of flying career ends with, them taking her license away and i know there was an interview with violet and violet's like this is just it happens like there's a phase of all of our lives where we just can't be trusted with that kind of machinery anymore like we just don't either have the physical strength or the mental capacity to be trusted with that anymore um but it was really hard for marion to accept the fact that she couldn't fly yeah 
so her friend had initially called kind of ironically in hopes of having her driver's license suspended. And as it would happen, uh, Marion winds up dying in a car crash. So in 1995, she was driving to Peterborough and she failed to stop at an intersection. So she like blows a stop sign and like gets T-boned or she T-bones a car and she dies in that accident. Yeah. Um, so Marion was quoted in an interview once saying, I feel a lot more secure in an aircraft than I do in my car. I feel that in an aircraft that if anything was to happen, I could, you know, get out. But in a car, I don't know. You've got so many other people around you that you're driving everybody's car plus your own. Wow. Um, That's prolific. I know. She. It's like it's like eerie because there's this interview of her talking about it and like it's also like her friend was like more worried about her getting in a car than getting behind a a plane i i hate to go there i hate (laughs) to be dark but we're gonna go there but uh was there any indication anything that you read that it was not accidental her car accident uh no i i don't i didn't get that sense it she definitely did appear to be quite like depressed the last two years of her life and very recluse but she was going to peterborough for a very specific thing like she was oh okay she was going to meet someone she had met um through i think some kind of just like helping with her tax forms or something okay if i remember correctly but then they kind of were like friendly afterwards and so she was just going to see that person okay um but as, as ladies in their 80s do. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I think as you get older, it's it's really yeah, hard to that hard. accept that, especially when not only is flying her life, I think that, yeah. like, it symbolizes so much all of her independence. Yeah. Like, it's like, this is the good decision in my life, you yeah. know, it's flying, and how could I how could someone possibly take that away from me? Especially someone who maybe doesn't even fly, like a doctor. Like, how do you know? Yeah. And, of course... When it's cognitive, it's really hard to accept that, especially if you don't remember that you're not remembering yeah. or you don't remember being disoriented. Yeah. You're like, I'm fine. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, wait, I'm not fine. That's scary. Yeah. So uh, scary. that's why when you asked earlier if this was a happy one, it was like, it's kind of like rise high. Sad. And then it's really sad. It's really low. <laughs> Very end. But in such like, it's almost like yeah like the andy minarski one is really sad but it's like Ugh. a heroic end you know and for yeah. marion it's just kind of like it's so innocuous and commonplace yeah. that it's just like oh god that happens to everybody like there there will come a day where like it will be unsafe for me to get behind the wheel of a car probably yeah Ugh. anyways uh we're <laughs> we're a podcast. this is a comedy podcast i don't we're know if you know funny <laughs> we're funny we talk about death a lot a lot <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know what high note we should end this on um so i feel like marion Orr probably went on to inspire generations of young female pilots yeah. and, and pilots in canada i mean she had that guy she took under her wing um kind of nearing wing. the end of her career get that you got that pun i like that um who she you know keep you around right <laughs> who she know you she took him and she really did she helped him and educated him and spent extra time with him yeah. and like he gave her ex- like all that he could afford and she was able to give him like such an amazing experience and so yeah i'd like to believe that she left a lasting impact on the flight community in yeah. the world 
um, especially Canada. Um, yeah, such and a direct influence too. Historica Canada, if you're checking out this episode of our podcast, <laughs> get creeping. on Canada having an airport for Mary and yeah. I. We could call that. People just think the Halifax port. <laughs> port. port. <laughs> People just think that the Halifax airport is named for the underwear. So I mean, that's true. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. We could have something better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I honest to God, as a child. Thought, thought that it was about underwear. well, I thought that it was about Stanfield's underwear. Like I thought that it was like the people Great who brand. made Stanfield's underwear were like <laughs> like I thought like that's what I legitimately thought. It wasn't until probably later than I'd like to admit in my life that I found out. Like I was I was definitely like old enough to be like oh, I should have known better than that. Honestly, you could have convinced me that it was that. I yeah. never even thought of it. I was just no. like, yeah, probably they're they're important. I'm, everybody needs underwear. Everybody needs underwear. Everybody wears underwear. Yeah, but. I agree. You just said, I think you just said underwear but, like so. Intense. And then I said, but um, <laughs> see, it's a comedy podcast. <laughs> funny it's podcast. funny. Ooh. Um, no, we should have an airport name for or an airfield or something yeah. for Marion or like a flight uh, school. Flight school. Yeah, we should. I mean, we've said we were going to start a petition, but like <laughs> so many this times. would be a good one. I think that That's it's what, like we're going to look into it. Let us know what you think, listeners. Let us know yeah. if you're listening to this episode uh, that has probably been edited down Way shorter than the time that we start recording <laughs> Leave it. the tangents in. Uh, we have been on one today. Uh, it's a lazy Tuesday. Hell of a day. <laughs> Hell of a day. But uh, yeah, if you would like to see us make a petition or do something about this lack of recognition for Miss Marion, uh, let us know because yes. we'd be into that. So thanks for listening to today's episode on Miss Marion Orr. I like calling her that, Miss Marion Orr. Uh, if you're not already following us on our social media channels, please do. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> it's 2020. It's a click of a button. So easy. Uh, on Instagram, we are Minute Women Podcast. We are the same on Facebook. And then on Twitter, we are at The Minute Women. And then we also have our super fabulous, beautiful website, uh, and that's www.minutewomenpodcast.com. C-A. C-A. Dot C-A. Because we're in Canada. Because we're Canadian. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. They've already visited a million times. It's already bookmarked. So it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, and please, yeah, check it out. That has all our episodes. Some information about us i don't know grace and i haven't really introduced ourselves in a while uh we might do that on our social channels this week just to let any new followers uh know who we are but you can see all of that on our website so check it out check it out and make sure you subscribe to this podcast download the episodes rate and review the podcast if that is available on your platform aka apple podcast users yeah please leave us a review we actually did get a few reviews recently and we've definitely had a lot more ratings so thank you so much it is a really really big help to us it is it is honestly huge and we will in an episode coming up call you out and thank you for uh yeah, for that definitely. support um but it means so much to us and it means so much to that stupid algorithm on the internet the mythic algorithm. they only care the, the <laughs> stupid algorithm only cares about apple podcasts so uh yeah. please give us a shout out on there yeah definitely and if you want to send us a dm or if you want to send us an email you can do that we love to hear from you guys and yeah Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're such a beautiful little part of the internet that we've fostered. Yeah. I love it so much. All right, bye, guys. Okay, bye.